Why are we lonely? Is it a problem that affects even the most famous of people? And how do we solve it? No one can motivate you. It has to be by choice to feel discomfort, to start to be authentic and connect with other people in a safe environment. It's okay, it's okay to have those fears, but it's not okay to let your fears control who your potential is going to be. My name is Jared Herzog and welcome to Someone You Should Know. My fellow humans, howdy do. It's been a little bit since our last episode. I appreciate you sticking around and our numbers keep going up, our listenership. So I really appreciate you telling your friends, letting the podcast grow. We've got a lot coming your way and uh, we're excited to uh, put all of that out. Seriously, it's it's been a great ride to interview these amazing human beings um, and learning something from each individual uh, each individual. <laughs> I was like, each individual individual. Um, anyway, today we are talking about loneliness. So the reason this is the topic is because, so as many of you probably know, I do a lot of freelance journalism. I'm a writer. I do, um, and I'm also a nerd. So I love doing research related projects, especially when it comes to sociology, psychology, the human element, and obviously that sort of leads credence to this this podcast. So it's all sort of intertwined into one. Um, anyway, so I started writing an article because I discovered a study, which I mentioned in the article, um, talking about what they call a loneliness epidemic. So there's, it, it was interesting because they found that Generation Z which is, I think, from the mid-90s to the early 2000s, or maybe it's late. I saw, like, 1995, 6 to, like, 2007 to 10, something like that. Uh, If you're born between that time, you're in Generation Z. Anyway, so they were saying that Generation Z is now, oddly, the loneliest, loneliest, um, aside from, obviously, the elderly, which is 55-plus. And so... Um, it, I was just sort of taken by that. And so I started digging into it, researching it and found a ton on it. I mean, it is kind of coming alive, the research behind it, um, right now where it's not just in the elderly, it's everywhere. So, you know, we're talking about it in terms of social media, like our friend groups. Why do we feel lonely though we're connected? These sort of conundrums are sort of, sort of baffling psychologists and, um, you know, everybody. I mean, the thing about it is that we all feel it, right? I mean, you don't have to be single, for instance, to feel lonely. Like, you could feel emotionally isolated somehow. You know, maybe you miss your mom. Like, maybe you're, a parent has passed away and you're you're lonely without them. There are many, many forms of it. Um, and it's a totally natural human element, just like, you know, just like happiness, just like depression, whatever. And so... Anyway, so I found it pretty fascinating, started writing an article on it, and then remembered that I went to, um, on the, on a scout basically to find a new podcast guest, which I'll, I'll just try different things. I'll just sort of go to groups or like whatever, like trying to find somebody interesting. This was one of those instances, um, months ago, I went to a quote unquote loving group. Somebody recommended it and they're saying, this is kind of an interesting group of people. 
basically it's like a group therapy session, um, but it's very vulnerable uh, in a group. So, and my guest will explain that. So at the head of this loving group is this lady who who is my guest. Her name is Sharon, now Clark, and she actually just got married a couple weeks ago, which she mentions. And so I went to this group. I was like, this is really neat. So in when I was writing this article, I was like, man, it would be dope if I could find someone to talk about this from someone who probably um, counsels people on loneliness. So I hit her up and she said, yeah, totally. So Miss Sharon is a wonderful, wonderful person and she has a lot to say. So we don't stay totally on subject the whole time, but there's a lot of really good um, information. So she is a life coach by trade. That's what her occupation is. So she has a lot to say um, when it comes to like how we were brought up. Why do we think the way we do? Why do we feel the way we do now? Does it have to do with our environment, our choice? Obviously, obviously it does, but she really picks apart um, human tendency. And a lot of this stuff you might probably know, but a lot of this stuff you may not. And so it's a very positive, positive interview. Um, it's, I would say, just a great thing to listen to if you're contemplating your own um, decision making or maybe you're stuck in a rut or even if you're just totally fine. This is just a good, healthy mind podcast. And it was wonderful. I loved interviewing her. So just wanted to intro with that. Sorry, this was kind of a long one. Guys, I really appreciate you checking out the podcast um, and sharing it. Please continue to share it. The most effective marketing is word of mouth by far. Every marketer knows that. When, In fact, when they're advertising, they're literally trying to influence word of mouth. That's why they make their, sometimes they make their ads crazy because they're like, oh, did you see the, you know, for instance, like the caveman, you know, laugh about the caveman, Geico caveman over dinner or something. That's literally advertising. So um, word of mouth is the most powerful advertising. So if you tell your friends, yo, check this podcast out, that is a million times more effective than anything I can say. I want to get the word out or my rather my guests word out to more and more people. So you helping in that respect is such a giant, giant. Um, I just owe you a giant, giant thank you. So thank you very much. We are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm not sure what you're listening on. Um, and please leave us a review and rate us. Uh, this helps basically rank us in the podcast world and uh, people can find us. And you know, that helps when people are just searching for podcasts and they see someone you should know and they see that there's a five-star rating, which we have now. Um, you know, it helps people understand that we're super dope, super cool, and uh, all my guests are super dope, super cool. Guys, I'm going to stop flapping my gums and introduce my next guest, Sharon Clark, a life coach. I don't know how podcasts really work. And you don't know how podcasts world. work? So I'm not a podcast yeah. person. So it's like just really interesting to me that, you know, there's a certain worlds we don't live in. So I'm, you know, I'm pretty old school. So I, I, I should back up and let our listeners know that I went to a, I guess, what do you call it? A love, a love group. Is it a loving group that I went to? Yeah, we have a national nonprofit. It's called loving-groups.org. And in different cities mm -hmm. across the United States, we have people that have been trained to hold space for people to come to a weekly group. Um, it's two hours. And so they come to a loving group and they get to um, just share whatever's on their heart. And the facilitators are trained how to 
help them maybe see new options, um, mm-hmm. how to see life a little bit differently, um, apply pr- relationship principles, um, help them see where they may be looking at things from a victim perspective. So we have people that will come to our groups for loss of a loved one. So they're just grieving. They need a safe place to sit and just maybe cry, hold somebody's hand. Um, we have people that come in that have severe PTSD and they can sit in somebody's lap. They can't hear any of the teaching. They're just, you know, um, really scared. And sometimes they just need enough oxytocin for a while. It could be six months before they ever speak in group, you know, just to have that kind of connection for a while. Um, in that kind of sense, sometimes it's like reparenting, kind of just taking them from whatever emotional age they're at and then just kind of helping them grow from there. So, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why people come. Some are just working on processing. I don't understand why my parents did what they did. And we help them with all of that. So, um, you know, I'm the founder of that. And what happened is when I started it years ago, it was just a matter of I knew we could reach more people if I trained other people. So I put training programs in place and then it started spreading out across the United States. And so I just started, you know, classes and speaking and traveling and things like that. And I just evolved. So, sure. Yeah. It's really neat. I mean, it's like you're just spreading, teaching people how to spread love and uh-huh. affection and just, you know, good will and, you know, right. good positive energy, which we need so, so badly, as you know, obviously. Yeah. Um, you went, you went to a group. You, I don't, how did you find a group and walk into one of our groups? Like, <laughs> what happened? I have this, I have this little, uh, this, I call him my little magic leprechaun. He's like this guy who just kind of finds me really neat people in the universe and you know i'm a guy who likes to try just new things and so he just said i go to this loving group and uh you should go his name is matt you actually talked to him directly in that group Uh yeah yeah Yeah, so he kind of weirdly he was like so i was in a band in this town for ever and he was one of those fans that always showed up to every show and he kind of got to know us Uh and you know would hang out with us and so he's just always kind of stuck around in my life always i just left that band like you know, a few months ago, okay. I guess it's been a year now, okay. but, um, anyway, so he's always stayed in contact and he knew I was doing this podcast. So he's like, you should check out this. This is pretty interesting. Um, and so I just came to check it out and I just kept your card. I have actually right here in front of me. Oh my goodness. Look at that. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. So you gave me this card and I was like, this is really cool. So, so yeah, that's really cool what you do. Um, uh, the reason I wanted to talk to you today is because I wanted to talk about loneliness. So this, where this came from is that I'm, I'm writing an article on it. Actually, I've just finished it. Okay. Um, and the research I was finding was just profound. I've actually sent some of it to you in an email, I think, um, just talking about how loneliness just seems to be on people's minds. I mean, they're calling it an epidemic now uh-huh. in America, like the UK, uh, like <laughs> assigned like a new prime minister of loneliness, like to address the problem. Right. And right. so it just seems to be plaguing a lot of people. It's either that or it's just gone. It's always been there and just has gone on it unaddressed. And it's just now that people are starting to take notice of it. I don't know. So I thought since you are um, so experienced in counseling people, how often does that subject ever come up? All the time. It's it's for All everyone. So wow. it's a it's a basic fundamental thing. That what's, what happens is when we're a kid, let's say we have a parent that rolls their eyes at us a lot. We end up getting a message because they're impatient. It's about them, but we can't translate that. So we go, oh, there must be something wrong with me. I'm unacceptable. I'm inconvenient. I'm whatever the message I'm getting. And then your reptilian brain naturally begins to to kick you into some protection mechanisms. So Mm. what happens is, is let's say when I'm very young and let's say I'm a teenager and I get raped by someone in a red hoodie, right? 
Mm-hmm. Anytime I see a red hoodie, my, my reptilian brain naturally puts me on alert and says, even if it's Jesus sitting there with, you know, this hoodie on, right? Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. My brain is going to automatically go into a protection mode and it's going to put up a wall and it's going to make me run. So fight or flight is going on, right? So seemingly insignificant repetitive events when we're children, it can just be someone, a mom that just doesn't say, hey, you know, that's about me. That's not about, I'm mm. sorry I got upset. I'm sorry I'm yelling at you all the time. But like, for instance, my mom, my my dad um, was a rageaholic. He grew up very... Um, you know, angry, had been abused a lot. And so he, he gave me three messages that were mine, very unique to me. You're a quitter. You're never going to make anything of yourself and you're stupid. I believed it 100% because that's all a child can do. So in that state, everyone goes out and springboards off alike with that kind of teaching. This is how life is. This is how, you know, how to see your world. These belief systems, money doesn't grow on trees or whatever puts us into a lot of fear. And so we go out and we try to figure out life and we make a pretty big mess of it over and over. Our relationships fail, right? Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. so what, what's happened, what's happened over the history of kind of like mankind, you know, and I was talking about this with my husband the other day and he says, well, you know, it's, if you look at the neurophysiology really deeply, um, mm-hmm. there was a period of time in the history of man and you and I weren't born and raised during this period of time where we had to make an effort to feed our family. We had to make an effort and go out and milk the cow every day, or we had to hunt every day. Whether we were hunters or gatherers or whatever whatever we were doing, there was an effort and overcoming a building of your own respect by doing the mundane every day to overcome, be present, and so sure. you were like, hey, good job, you know, every day of your life. Sense of personal accomplishment. Personal Absolutely. accomplishment. So what's happening now is in this 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 era of everything kind of handed to us very easily mm-hmm. it, that we don't really have to work for anything so you've got from age 30 and below everyone has that or the that generation there has the highest level of anxiety okay yep. so it's like i could tell them buck up you know get out there you know do it but that's you know they're just they're so terrified of Whatever the belief systems were handed to them, because parents also did a sweeping kind of change of like, well, let me save my child from all of their natural consequences. Let me save my child. Let me let me bail them out. We've got zero backbone in young people today. They're scared to death and it's not their fault. And here's what happens is anytime that we're using those protection mechanisms, those getting and protecting behaviors that we use naturally from our reptilian brain, if we don't get help to see it and go from the frontal cortex of our brain, what we do is we just keep absolutely repeating the same patterns, the belief systems that we were handed, and we can't ever find connection. If you look at Japan, the history of Japan yeah. in the last two or three decades uh-huh. is so awful because information age came really quickly. We put, as soon as you're operating in your life from your reptilian brain, which is the unconscious, you know, just protection mechanism, we put up a facade. So you and I, unless we get real with the front front part of our brain with each other and say, let's get vulnerable, let's trust each other, let's, let's connect, let's see where our differences are, see how cool that is. All of that is about the ability to actually be connected to another human being. And yet, when I have a cardboard cutout in front of me, when I'm putting my best foot forward, you ha- I have no ability to feel authenticity from you or your love for me because you're loving my cardboard cutout and I know it, right? Right. Right. I'm, if I have any idea in the back of my brain, a little thing going off back here, if you only knew me, 
If you only knew who yeah. I really was, you wouldn't like me. These are all the things we I've done that. wrong. This is all my fears. Here's all my weaknesses. And yet that's the bridge to feeling connected. And since, you know, you came to our group and you know what? You're an yeah. oddball because we don't, you, you saw it. There were people lined up outside the door. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because growth, when you hold up a mirror to someone, it's called discomfort. And because <laughs> the whole generation has never overcome any discomfort to get where they're at, right? They go, Oh, no, 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 no. They're not using the frontal part of their brain and going, I have to push through this. I have to face my fears. I have to, you know, move forward in my life. And in order to live the life of my dreams, the dream life that I want to have in the future to live to my potential, I'm going to have to do that. And they go, "Mm -mm." unconsciously, we're manipulating our world to try to minimize pain. And and 90% of everybody out there, 99% of everybody out there is doing that unless they really, because in my experience over all the years of running these groups and coaching, right? And I do interventions. I just did an intervention with a woman who was 54 years old in my home. She flew from North Carolina and the whole day was spent unraveling her life. And she just went, wow, I've been repeating these patterns. I had no idea why I've been doing what I've been doing. And I'm like, sometimes if you just clear up a lot of the confusion, like what was really her responsibility? What wasn't, what was she carrying in her backpack that was so confusing for her? But if we keep, Mm -hmm. if we keep being liars, if we keep being dishonest about who we are, we're not going to feel connected to anybody because the second that you tell me about you, I can tell you about me and we go, yep, we're both flawed. So let's unpack it. it, Let's unpack that a little bit because what you said, that whole thing was just packed full of incredible information. And obviously, (laughs) this you had this you had your thoughts so well organized here that it really seems as though you've given this speech before. I mean, it really seems like people have brought this to you and you've had to explain this before. And so it is is all what life coaching is about. I'm a life coach, and everything is about helping people understand how their brain is working, what what actions that they're taking that are not contributing to their happiness, what actual what are the five behaviors that cause a disconnect in all of their relationship and help them see how to make new choices it's really really simple and why why it seems like it's like have i said this before it is what i do professionally for a living so it's just really natural for me ask me any question you want it'll sound it'll sound like i know what i'm talking about yeah because i've what I do. So, yeah. Well, it sounds like I got the right person then. So loneliness, loneliness. (laughs) Yeah. So you're saying, so just to recap a little bit, you're saying that loneliness is in part due to um, basically helicopter parenting and sort of nerfing up their world and not being able to deal with discomfort because they're not dealing with, because they're not dealing with that, equipped to deal with that discomfort. They're not willing to look at their own reflection in order to understand who they are, what they really want. You know, this or, is the part that you, know, you got to heal. So most people have no idea that they're walking around in a state of that intense loneliness, that disconnect at such a deep level, and they have no idea what they're reaching for unless they can find someone like myself who really can unpack it for them pretty quickly and say, this was your fault. This wasn't your fault. You being angry at 58 years old is really not your fault. Now it is. Now you know it's your fault because we've talked about it. Now, for somebody who doesn't may not have access or maybe uncomfortable, maybe not uncomfortable, but may not have access to a life coach um, or even knows what a life coach is, what are the tell, tall tell signs of loneliness for people who are unaware that they have it? In other words, like, does loneliness manifest in ways that aren't recognizable to the person? Completely five, five ways. ways. Okay. okay, give me. So there's five give behaviors. Me. So when we're empty, 
we go out into the world, we go out into the world and we try to get something to ease our pain or we're protecting ourselves from more pain. So we're getting or protecting all the time, sure. right? And so what we go after, and it's all you have to do is look at somebody and how they're living their life and you can tell them exactly how much pain they're in. So we go after four things. What do you mean by that? That's interesting. So Why do you say if that? If I walk into a room uh-huh. and I'm at a party and I see behaviors yeah. going on around me, I can assess do, 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 do through the room and I can tell you who's in the most amount of pain by watching the behaviors. So I'll uh-huh. describe them to you now, right? What they are, okay. right? Okay. And if you get really good at looking at these behaviors, you get to see very, very quickly that, oh my God, they're in a lot of pain. We go after four things and we're in pain to medicate. Everything comes in these categories. Praise, okay. power, pleasure, safety. So the CEO, $5 million a year earner has no relationships, but he went for power and praise. Okay. The guy, the homeless guy in the gutter went for safety, running away from the whole world. Okay. Both exactly the same kind of pain. All it does is show up. One looks nicer than the other, right? So praise, power, pleasure, safety. I was a pleasure safety gal. I would cling to guys and I'd, I'd trade pleasure. I'd give them a lot of pleasure if they'd love me. Like we trade, right. right? We trade these things with each other when we're unconscious and we don't realize what we're doing. Now, in order to get those four things, praise, power, pleasure, safety, there's some mechanisms that we use, some very specific behaviors that we use. Um, they are attacking acting like a victim, mm-hmm. lying, clinging, like you heard in group, we read the guidelines and it lists all these out there. It's on our national website. You can download this acting like a, so attacking, lying, acting like a victim, clinging and running. So pain shows up through very exacting behaviors. So someone that runs, it could look like drugs. It could look like, you know, I just go, I work a lot and don't go home to my family. I play video games, running, Anything that causes me conflict or tension, I run from it. It could be children. So I'm a vacant dad. I'm a whatever, right? So running is one of the behaviors. Um, You've got attacking someone who's just angry all the time. So here's how you know the state of someone's being internally. Have a challenge hit, and you'll see one of those behaviors pop out. If you go to a party and someone's the life of the party, they look like they got it all together, but, Mm -hmm. but you have a conversation with them. And there's not a two-way at all. They're just talking, talking, talking. That's clinging, holding someone hostage, draining the person. Someone who comes in and, 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 and you, know, you see this in group a lot. Someone will come and say, oh, let me tell you all these victim stories about how awful my life was. Okay, that's acting like a victim, right? Not even willing to look at new options, right? right. So all these behaviors is the study of the science of how pain shows up in our life. So we go after. But pain is normal, right, though? I mean, does pain necessarily mean we're going through some sort of trauma or that there's some unanswered it's, questions? It's, it's the inability to not control those behaviors. OK, so absolutely. Somebody can be in deep pain, be processing it properly, get the right kind of help, share it with someone that's a loved one, a, a trusted advisor, someone who can actually be wise for them. You know, if we're taught how to do that, that's awesome. Doing a stop, drop, and roll before I just take all my pain unconsciously, not even realizing I'm carrying all this pain from my lifetime. You do one thing that looks like or smells like pain from my past, and I'm going to take it out on you, and I'm going to blame you. Mm. Okay, so the blame game is going on all the time. So here's an example. I went on a date with a guy once, and I said, uh, 
So why'd your last seven year relationship end? Because he was married for 20 years. And then he had told me he had another relationship for seven. And I said, so why that last one end? And he said, this is what he said to me. Because all you have to do is listen to what somebody's saying. Oh, yeah. And then you can identify it. And he said, well, you know, she was really struggling. So I took her in and I did everything for her. And then, you know, after a while, she started to kind of get, you know, just really erratic and, and, and crazy and, and blah, blah, blah. And I just I had to throw her out. OK, so I went because he challenged me. He, he said to me on the phone, you do this for a living. I said, yeah, I can tell what somebody's like in five minutes. And he goes, no, you can't. And I said, challenge on. Let's have coffee. So he told me that story. <laughs> that was a two minute story. And I then this is what I said to him. I said, look, I said, white knight syndrome. OK, saving somebody. You took somebody in who wasn't emotionally stable to begin with. You felt really great about that. And people who are not emotionally stable are going to have these behaviors that are unloving. You couldn't love her. You didn't have any emotional stability yourself. So then you were an asshole and you threw her out. So, so he was using her to begin yes, with is what you're saying. Yes. Good going, dude. And he starts laughing and he goes, how did you do that? And I said, it's the story of most people's life. We're in these getting and protecting behaviors. It's all about me, 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 me. I'm not able to truly think about your happiness. I'm manipulating unconsciously, and I don't even realize the damage I'm doing. We're walking around wounding each other all the time. He's wounding her more. She's already she's already not okay. She can't put a roof over her head. You actually then, so think of it this way. This is what I tell people to really metaphorically hit it home. So let's say you're in Iraq and you're a, you're a soldier and you're standing on a corner and there's bombs that have been going off all day and you find a little you find a little five year old sitting on the side of the road. You're a man of integrity, you're a soldier from America, and you say, you know what? I got to get this kid to the Red Cross. I got to get it to a, 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 a orphanage. I got to get it help because it's sitting there. Parents are dead, and so does the the soldier that does the right thing because it's a five year old. This woman that this date that I went on, she was a five-year-old emotionally. And I said, mm -hmm. would, if the soldier jumped in bed with that little five-year-old on the side of the road, wouldn't that be predatory? Wouldn't that be right. terrible? And if you can identify that even though a grown woman is five years old emotionally and you don't get her help and you don't get her to an orphanage, you don't get her to safe haven, if you don't get her the help that she needs, you're now a predator. Yeah, but now if you're you know unaware better. that you're doing it, but if, right. if you're unaware you're doing it, is it really his fault? I mean, we're all not, you know, right. psychologists, right. for instance. So. so the education is very important. So as we get the word out, you know, we spread out across the United States. The reason why we do what we do is because most mm -hmm. people don't have access, maybe have money to go to a therapist, to hire a life coach. That's why everything sure. we do is free. Yep. Unless they hire me personally. So we're out there doing national right. conference calls, national Zoom events. You know, we're doing the education pieces. All of the people that have come through coaching with me, all of our hosts have all healed their life and they want to give back now because there's so much gratitude. And they, some of them have spent 15 years of their life just hosting a group every single week. It's awesome. And that's because they are just like, I'm so grateful to know this information to number one, it keeps me now out of any kind of drama with any kind of relationship where I realize someone actually, it's a call for help. I'm not jumping in bed with somebody who is five. Right. right? right. And it eliminates just this, it just eliminates people from having real dramatic outcomes in all of their relationships. So yeah, that's a lot of information. And a lot of amazing information. And what's crazy, I think it's just you're right. Like the youth really isn't hearing this right now because, 
mean, I know it's you said that you're not on. Number one, it's not it's, cool. It's being introspective is takes work and time. Mm-hmm. And I think that and I, you're right. It's not cool, but it's also difficult. Like you said, it's just difficult to sit with yourself. Is there, which brings me to kind of be, uh, I think a pretty interesting question. Is there any thing that loneliness can teach you that is positive? Like can loneliness bring you into a like mature you, in other words, in a positive way. Yes, just like any challenge that we have in life. Maybe we should define what loneliness actually oh, is I first before we just keep talking about it. So how would you define it? I, I mean, it's, it's obviously doesn't mean being physically alone, right? I looked it up. You looked it up. Absolutely. Man, you're so prepared. I love Absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, loneliness, feeling sad, unhappy yeah. about being socially isolated. Common, mm-hmm. com- common causes of this symptom. Loneliness can be normal and is only an indicator of underlying disease when feelings come from excessive all-consuming and interfere with daily life so loneliness itself we need we need to be able to be okay being alone now we know that we're creatures and we need to feel connected if i'm connected with a like i've got 500 people in my tribe that love me support me know me for who i really am all my flaws and fears all the stuff i do wrong they're like right Okay, they've proven that they wanted to stay in relationship with me, so I feel very supported in life. Very different from how I grew up. So that mm-hmm. that I'm okay with spending time alone, being lonely. Loneliness itself, any kind of feeling that we're having is a guidance system to tell us any kind of feeling, anger, despair, any kind of feeling that we're having is a guidance system to tell us what our needs are. Right. So if we're not right. feeling them, if we're trying to medicate feelings, we don't ever really know ourselves well enough. Loneliness is awesome to be able to say, well, maybe maybe I just need a little connection. But if I can't sit with myself, ultimately, when people come to group, this is what we tell them. This is an exercise, Jim. We don't want you to come make a home here. We want you to right. be able to right. self-actualize. Eventually, we're going to help you learn to go within, sit with yourself and be able to go instead of reacting, going, what is this for me? And going within, maybe finding a memory and being able to go, wow, I'm mature. I'm a mature adult now. I can actually be by myself. I can actually learn to meditate. I can sit down, hear inspiration and creativity that's coming into my life instead of just feeling a sense of void all the time. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think that um, it's possible to be lonely in a relationship everybody is like what do you mean everybody usually okay so about if if you have longevity in a relationship what we found by all the couples you know over the last 15 years that i've worked with if you have longevity in a relationship there's a they they say that so right now we have 71 percent divorce rate of the of the marriages that actually last if it, what does last mean? Like over five years or just, yeah, last, you know, not get divorced within the first couple of years. Right. So they last okay. they're, they're 20, 30 years. Right. If they, especially if they have children, the statistics are women that say that they stay in marriages said if it weren't for children and finances, they would leave their husband in a heartbeat. So there's not a lot of happy marriages out there. Right. Wow. So out of the 2% that's actually maybe happy, everyone, Everyone else that's still in a relationship doesn't really, um, they don't really know why they're feeling so empty and they just don't know how to connect. There's just skill-based things that we also teach that people can learn the types of dialoguing that actually create connection. And of course, that means being vulnerable and, 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 and opening up, but certain kinds of dialoguing 
um, create connection and the five behaviors that we talked about in relationship create a disconnect. So most relationships that last for a very, very long time, what they've done is they've created a truce. If you hurt me less than everyone else, I'll stay with you forever. And you never mm. challenge me to grow. Mm. Those are the relationships that last. That's pretty longest. unhealthy. Uh-huh. It's awful. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying that that somebody can't be in a totally like healthy relationship, like where that's not the case, where they are vulnerable and they are like, you know, not using each other to, you know, right. further their bad habits. You're saying that doesn't exist? No, it does. And those are people that have done work on themselves. Like when I met my partner that I have now, right, that I'm mm-hmm. that I'm married to now, the first conversation that we had over the phone, because we met on the Internet, right, dating site. And first conversation that we had, he said to me several things where I knew I was finding at least an inch. I was interested. He said, he said to me several things. He says, here's everything I've done wrong. And he had kind of a heavy suitcase. Uh, He'd done quite a bit wrong. He said, "Um, I can't be with anyone who doesn't understand great pain because he had come from a really heavy background. Mm. And he said, I don't carry anybody else's baggage. Mine's heavy enough. So now I have an enlightened person who understands that my stuff is mine. His stuff is his. We went right from no romantic phase right into the power struggle stage, which is the evolution of a relationship. And if we can know that when we get to that power struggle stage, here's the reason why we struggle is because I don't understand your blueprint. I don't understand uniquely why you do what you do. But if we spend enough time in that right kind of dialoguing, we can begin to understand the idiosyncratic behaviors that we have and craft a relationship that builds the intimacy through the understanding, because if I'm in a relationship with you, it's going to look completely different than if I'm in a relationship with my husband. So because he's got a different background than you do. And so in order to understand relationship, we have to understand what a conscious relationship is. And he he had not studied what we'd studied, but he had done enough work on himself where he the, the opening of that language was like, you get it. It's going to take some work here. We're going to have to learn about each other. And then we're going to have to learn how to craft a relationship where we both feel safe. And then we can step into that intimacy with each other. And we've done a lot of work. The first year was ugly. And it was beautiful because what we do now, we did something very different is we begin to have a fight. We go into the bedroom, lock ourselves in there eight hours later. If we'd still be yelling, we stayed until we figured it out. Now, Hmm. later we learned skills, how to actually get to the dialoguing. And right at that period of time, right when I met him is when we found, you know, Harville Hendricks in in Texas. And he was actually releasing the science behind relationship, which he studied for and put in books for years and years. But the dialoguing science and all of our hosts across the United States all went and got certified and really bringing this out to couples and to people in general, how to dialogue in a way that creates connection. And so we started practicing right away and then it went a lot smoother. Right. It went a lot smoother. So. So is that emotional integrity, or I'm sorry, maybe emotional maturity, is that really only found in people who have been through a lot of life? In other words, like, oh. can people start a successful relationship at 21 and 21? Yes. Even without all that experience? Yes, because remember, our association in life creates what we know, how to do things. If you have the right mentors in your life, it doesn't really matter what age it is. And so, for instance, the reason why I started any of this at all was the fact that there was a man that came to our church, spoke about unconditional love. And I went, I have no idea how to love my son. I went, oh my God, he was 13 and a half years old. He was punching holes in walls. He was mad. And I was a crazy, you know, dancing on tables, drinking, blackout kind of stuff going on. 
and he, mm. and he he didn't he didn't have a mom that was really there except I was taking him to Cancun and you know Extapa and you know he had everything but he didn't have emotional connection and so that loneliness was set by the time he was 13 years old he was he was pretty angry kid we either explode or we implode right well he was yes. he was pretty angry and so when someone spoke at our church um, and I went, oh my God, I went to the minister of my church and I said, you know, we really have to, I got to, I got to practice this with somebody. Can we start support groups at the church? And within a year we had groups running seven days a week for a decade, people coming in and sitting week after week as I was training other people, getting the books out, reading as much as I could about it because I wanted, I had a dream to save my son's life because I figured mm. if I could sit and learn to be present with you, I could learn to be present with him. So within about three years, he finally took a breath and said, you've changed. I trust you now. When he said yeah. at one point, I will never speak to you. I'll never trust you. I'll never, you know, I'm never going to, you know, have a relationship with you. And at 16, about 16, he took a breath and he was now, and it was kind of metaphorically like, you know, people who have grown up in a kind of a tough environment, they grow up with, let's just call it like an emotional language. Let's call it English. And now I'm now I'm now I'm learning Spanish, right? So full immersion, 24 hours a day, immersing myself and trying to save my son's life. CDs in the car all the time, listening to, you know, just learning, 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 sharing it with others, practicing with others, learning to be present. And you know, if I had if I had just read a books, it wouldn't have done it. I had to actually get the love that I needed. I needed the community and the support to see what I, I needed wise people for me to see where my blocks were, to see where my blind spots were. And so we all decided to get together. There's about, about as, we, as soon as we started building, it was like 10 core people that were still doing it yeah. and helping others. So what we did is the dream got a little bigger. If I train other people, well, maybe we'll help a hundred people. And then it became, you know, a thousand people and, and it just keeps growing. And it's, it's, so my son had the opportunity to go from English. I drug him to Spain metaphorically because I said, we're not going to be like that anymore. He was the kind of guy who was growing up, praise, power, pleasure, safety. Guess what he went for drinking in the, he was so handsome. He was on the number one top team in America for soccer. He was like the, the guy and had all the models on his arm. And, you know, here was a guy going imitation, love, imitation, love. I love it. I love it. I love it. Just like you did, mom. And he's like, I'm like, mm -mm, we're not we're not doing all that anymore. And so eventually he grew with emotional maturity because all I spoke was Spanish. He'd go to a party. He'd come back and go, oh, gosh, you know, these these guys were all fighting and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be, yeah, they're just empty, alone and afraid. They're challenged. They're not getting a lot of love at home. And he'd be like, don't talk like that. I don't want to hear that kind of stuff. That's that language that you're speaking. And eventually one day he comes home from a party and he says, you know, you're right. I broke it up. I told him, look, it's not worth it. Let's just, let's just, you know, we all want the same thing. We just want to have a good time here. And all of a sudden he became a part of the solution in the world. And he's remained that ever since he's 28 years old now. And so here was a, here was a kid that, you know, I just wanted to save his life. Now he's still got his issues from his younger life. I think he's still got some stuff in there. Like we all do that we've got to work on. But, um, that was, that was my motivation. It's like, I, I'm killing him. Does society and how it's formed now, as opposed to how it was, play a role in this loneliness epidemic? In other words, like church fostered community, people kind of knew their neighbors back in the day, you know, for instance. People don't really walk over, you know, like I have a, um, I have a kind of an elderly neighbor. He's like in his 
late sixties. And, um, you know, he just, he, I barely knew the guy and he just walked in my front door like, Hey, but Hey man, what you doing? You know, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I am baffled by this, but I loved it, you know, cause it gave me that sense of like, I got a pal, right. you know, but that's kind of gone. Do you think that there is the way society in 2019 slash 2020 is set up? That's furthering the problem especially in America. Yeah. Because if I look right now, if I look right now in my neighborhood, right. Mm -hmm. I know every neighbor. You do. do. You've taken the, see, that's awesome. I'm sure you do. I am sure when when they're moving in, I go over and help them move the stuff out of their, their U-Haul, you know, um, that's who my husband and I are. But if I wasn't that way, every single one of them never talked to each other. Right. And that, right. that is that fight or flight that's on alert. That's like, you know, we when we're young, we learn that people are harmful. You got to be careful. You know, it's like, oh, no, unless you're intentionally. Now, I'll tell you what my husband and I've been doing since January 1st this year. And okay. this is New Year's resolution. No, this was no, this is just this is weird. Complete oddballs. OK, we decided the first of the year, because what I was realizing is when I when I go to the grocery store and I've got my to do list. And I'm, I'm sitting there with the apples and I'm putting the apples in a bag. I'm more concerned about my to-do list than the person who's putting the apples on the cart on the shelf. Right. And I went, hmm, okay. So we go out intentionally for an hour every single day since January without failing, no matter what's going on in our life, with an intention to go and talk to 10 people each. And it could 10. 10. So let's say I walk in Michael's, I walk in just a store, I walk in Michael's or I walk in Marshall's or I walk in Fry's grocery store and I walk up to you and I just say, hey, you know, really cool shirt. I noticed that you got like a, a rocket on there. Are you a rocket yeah, scientist? Sweet. And we start No, talking, I like space. Right? Right? And we start mm-hmm. laughing. That's the beginning yeah. of a conversation. You may look at me with a dirty look like, what do you want from me? And you may walk away and that's okay. You can have 10 conversations in less than an hour, smiling at people. There was a woman today in Marshall's because I went out for an hour because I had an hour right before I to meet with you. And I ran over to Marshall's. I drove down the street. My husband got home. I said, I already went out today. You're going to have to go out by yourself and because the way my day is planned. And I, there was this woman who was in so much distress. And I talked to her for a while. She was shopping. And she was looking for cough drops or whatever. And I said, do you eat those ginger things, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yes. And I've had this COPD for over 40 years. She was an older woman. And she told me all about her life. And I just sat and listened. And then I hugged her. Can I give you a hug? And I hugged her. And she goes, oh, my God, my cough is so bad today. I needed that so badly. Oh, my goodness. So we're going out intentionally upping our game at caring about who's out there in the world. And if there's somebody that we can bless today, that's great. Not all conversations go that direction, but there are some people that there just might be some information that they bless my life. Now, one, one guy that I met one day, the most, one of the most interesting, and he blessed my life so much. I'll I'll never forget him. And this is something that'll fire you up. You know, I see this guy Mm. and he's really dark skin and he's kind of skinny and he's kind of, you know, kind of rough around the edges and he's walking with a little bit of a limp. And I'm like, okay, dude, I, I got to get to, I don't need to know his story. And he's probably about mm, 65. And, okay. and I say, I reach my hand out and I say, Hey, I'm Sharon. Where are you from? And he's like, I'm from Rwanda. And I go, cool. I said, you looked really interesting. I just had to know your story. Would you mind telling me what your story is? And he said, did you ever watch the hotel Rwanda? And I said, <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. And he said, <laughs> He goes, we got out alive. My wife was pregnant. 
It took us quite a while to get out. He goes, the next thing I know, we're on a plane going to America. We don't know where we're going to get dropped off. They help us with money. They help us with food. And he goes, all of my children have been born in America. And he goes, I am so blessed that no one had to see what we had to see. And he said, it took me 12 years of living here before I stopped seeing the machetes in my nightmares. Wow. Wow. And you just walked up to this yeah, guy. Absolutely. That man blessed my life and reminded me of how blessed we are to live in this place right here, right now, in this time. He started a life over. He works in an Amazon warehouse and he has a cookie cutter home and he provides for his family. And he has the American dream. But he and they, he they even go back and visit family. But all of his children know nothing about all the genocide that was happening there. And those are the kind of conversations that are blessing my life because we decided to do this. We decided to, our, our intention is how can we bless somebody today? And I come back half the time, I'm blessed. Now, Amazing. if people aren't doing that intentionally, because it's like, you know, you walk up to a grocery store and there's somebody in line in front of you and it looks like they're having a party because you guys see all the beer and all this. And you go, hey, man, it looks like you're having a party. And they go, what do you want? <laughs> That's why we just like everybody is so defensive. They are. And it's like until, yeah. until we actually just intentionally say, just like you and I are doing here, how can we just yeah. be together? Yeah, because like you said, we all kind of want the same thing. You know, it is kind of a cliche. It's like we're all the same, blah, blah. But. In essence, like you hug that old lady, we all want hugs right. from somebody totally dope and somebody interested in you. Right. Yes. You know, and but but the first thing, just like you said, I want to reiterate your point, which is you you walked out with the intention to as you say to bless someone else. Uh-huh. You're there trying to do it for them. Uh-huh. And that's how that conversation starts. It's not you can't just like you said before, you can't go out looking to get it. No. Looking to uh, what did you say? Drain their energy or whatever right, you said right, is that right. you have to go out and give it to them first, mm-hmm. and you guys actually put it into practice. And here you are saying this is, and it's actually the thesis behind this podcast. I call it "Someone You Should Know." Like literally, go meet somebody uh, really interesting who can teach you something. That's uh-huh. the whole point of this podcast, right. and the way, and that's why I had to have you because, like, I remember you in that group saying same sentiments just like that, and I was like, this girl knows it. This girl has it. And so I really think that you're spreading such a good message because I'm on the same mission. I mean, that's that's the same thing. So I think that's amazing. Oh, and it's like this lady that I talked to today and told me all about her life. I didn't tell her one thing about me. I just listened. And I kept saying things like, tell me more about that. How hard is that for you? And she just she just she's just she was lighting up. No one. (laughs) She says, I am. And here here was her her dark side coming out. I just, you know, it's like, I'm just so mad at all these doctors. And I'm like, tell me more about that. Mad at all these doctors. Yeah, because no one can help her figure out what's really wrong with her. And it's probably emotionally based, some of it. But still, the whole point is she just lit up because someone just was listening. And then I said, can I hug you? Oh, it's just so special that you've shared a part of your life with me. And she's like, oh, and she lit up more. And I just hugged her. And she's like, my cough is so bad today. This I just needed a hug so badly. And I said, oh, we all need it every day. Mm. And we do. And we do. So let's say, so how, let's say that someone's going through a bout of loneliness. Well, A, I also want to make distinct, like, does being single necessarily mean that you have to be lonely? In other words, God, like, no. that's what I'm, right. Oh, God, no. So do you have a threat? Are you, are you in a relationship? No. Okay. Single. So do you have a thriving Single's a dollar life? bill. Do you have a thriving life with goals and dreams? 
Oh, yes. Okay, so absolutely. does it matter that you're single? No, I feel fine. But if you have no light, no spark, no desire, no hope, no, no dreams, and you see no way of getting there, and a lot of times the way that we're brought up, we're told there is no way of getting any of that, then it's going to be a very lonely life. The second, sure. that, the second that you take away somebody's hope of something mm. different, you now have created a shell of a human being. You have to feel it, like I just came back from a weekend, right, in Las Vegas. And the whole entire weekend was that we live in the greatest country of the world. How can you tell? And there was a constitutional guy. I'm going to get his name for you. You have to have fun. All, Please. all he's a podcaster too, and all he does is travel the United States and teach people about how fabulous the constitution is, the history of it. Oh man, Get he's amazing. He was one of our speakers, 17,000 people in a stadium, and it's all about wow. why America is great the whole entire weekend. Oh my goodness, you're speaking my free language. That sounds awesome. Free enterprise. Yeah. We live in now. Here's the question he said How can you tell the best countries of the world? One question we can ask. Who's trying to get in and who's trying to get out? Boom. Boom. This guy. Boom. Like, where, where's the where's the question? Oh my god! <laughs> like, right? And and he's yeah. fa- he was fabulous. So you know you know that's just stuff I do anyway. Love that guy. That constitutional guy sounds amazing. I gotta find. I that can't remember really his cool. name, but he just he did. He came out and spoke for like an hour and a half, and just unbelievable. And. He was talking about the Star Spangled Banner and how it was written, why mm. it was written the way it was. So I won't go into that. But amazing historical facts about people right. that died so that we can have hope, freedom, yes. and free enterprise. That's what makes America so special. You get to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. And, yet, and say whatever you want to say. And yet how many people out there are living in poverty because they have no hope? Too many. Too many. So, yeah, I got a little corner of my world. You got a little corner of your world. And yet, you know, I I believe that we have an obligation that if I have a higher level of consciousness, I better do something with it. Because if I stand before my maker and he says, what did you do with the one life I gave you? Whatever you believe God to be. Mm-hmm. What did you do with that? Well, I traded it for a job or I, you know, I, I, I traded it for a whole bunch of fear and I didn't do anything. It's like, right. I, I think I'm going to have an obligation to say, you know what? I, I lived I lived to my potential and I always sought mentorship and I always sought for people who had higher vibration and I, I went for it and I decided I didn't want comfort. I decided I wanted the discomfort and I wanted to go for it. And every mm. day I wanted to say, can I just be a little bit better than I was yesterday? Man, people need to listen to this podcast on repeat. Seriously. Huh? And this what you're saying is just amazing. I was saying people need to listen to this podcast on repeat this episode. Because what you're saying is just amazing. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I'm with you there. One of my favorite quotes is, um, it's not about what you expect uh, of life, but what life expects of you. Mm-hmm. And that's, it, and it's so true. You know, like if you have that capability to reach, for instance, reach out to your neighbor or go up and hug somebody, you know, it's almost your, not maybe not your responsibility, but you're almost but obligated to do that if you can. Exactly. If I have the capacity why would I not bless somebody else's life? And then complain that no one talks to you. Right. <laughs> so, like... And we all do that. Right? We all do that. I'm not poo-pooing anybody. But, like, we're all human but beings. Here's, all here's part of the problem, though. So, 
if you look at the four levels of life, so let's let's just name them, right? So you've got um, somebody in complete survival, PTSD, mm-hmm. post childhood stress disorder. They've got all kinds of stuff going on. Mm. They can't assimilate into the community. They can't hold a job. Their boss is always an asshole. It's about them, but so they're they can't. Yeah. They're not doing well. They're in. You know, they're they're emotionally unstable, right? So. They come into loving groups, and this is what I saw over the years. They come into loving groups. We get them from um, survival to stability, right? And what happens is they plateau there and they stay there because it's like, okay, I'll never go out and look for a relationship because, man, this is better than it's ever been. There's no drama. I have better friends. I have people who love me, and I can hold the job. And I go, mm-hmm. me, me, yeah. I go, ew, yeah. ew, <laughs> right? Because... <laughs> Now, I studied years of my life reading every book imaginable on relationships and the neurophysiology and the fight or flight, all the brain, everything, so I could help people get to that level. And then I just go, oh, my God, don't you want more? Because above that is success and significance where you're giving back to the world. But we can't get I couldn't bring people up there because I had reached kind of a semi sense of status quo myself until I found the right mentors to take me up to that level. Now, what happens then? What happens then when these mentors are in my life and they're saying, here's the book list. And I look at that book list and it's like, huh, I've never read these books before. I commit to reading 15 minutes a day and I'm reading the compound effect and the magic of thinking big. And now we're looking at success principles. Our speakers are John Maxwell, the greatest leadership trainer in the world, training you how to lead yourself and then leading, you know, other people. And so all of a sudden you begin reading stuff that's at such a much higher vibration, which to me is my obligation to continue to rise up. Because remember when I told you I had a little dream and there was two people under that little umbrella, me and my son. And then it was a hundred and then it was a thousand and we've helped thousands of people over the years. Well, what do you think my next dream is? Help 2000, 10,000, 10 million. Millions of people, right? So the dream gets bigger and your skills get better and you understand how to be more significant in the world. Right. And so, but you have to be able to, again, to go to those next levels is get out of your discomfort. I'm up against my unworthiness. My dad said, because every time you go to the next level, all that stuff comes back up again. And it's like, oh, you know, you'll never make anything of yourself. And I go to my coach and I say, hey, I feel like, you know, I'm losing here. I'm not, you know, making ground. You know, I'm not, I'm not making traction here. And she's like, you started and ran a national nonprofit. (laughs) What are you thinking? So (laughs) just on that subject, how, how important is mentorship paid or not, um, in relation to loneliness, like how important is it to have someone in our life motivating us? Is it like totally, um, is in other words required to get out of loneliness? Like how does, how can mentorship really help us out of loneliness? Do you think? Well, out of, out of, out of loneliness has really got to be, no one can motivate you has Mm -hmm. to be by choice to feel discomfort, to start to be authentic and connect with other people in a safe environment. Okay, so it can't be just like I'm going to go start talking to a bunch of people at the bar or down the street or on the street corner at the bus stop 
and expect that I'm going to create connection and all of a sudden feel better. Yeah, yeah it's not going to happen. You're really going to have to do it with some pretty safe people to help. You know, if you're that lonely and you're in that much of a shell, like our group experience, you know, people need to have those kind of places to go to to start. And if, yeah. if people don't understand that you can only go to, you know, with the same mind that you've got is only going to take you where you are today. Yeah. Why would you not seek out? The best of the best, not just like your dude friend that's sitting there in the same position, hanging out with you on the weekend, going nowhere. But if you're stuck in that position and you can't afford $500 a month, like maybe somebody can, what if their only person to talk to you is that dude bro sitting on the bar stool with you? What is one to do if they're really like, okay, I know that I'm... You have to, you have to reach up. You can't reach sideways. You've got to get people in your life that have, and here's how you pick them. They've got the fruit on their tree. If they don't have the fruit on their tree, why would you be going to them? If they're giving you advice and they've created nothing for themselves, why would you be going to them? Yep, exactly. Um, all right, so I got two more for you. Are you game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always, Are you doing I all right so got far? more. Man, get me on any topic. I got stuff to say, right? <laughs> well, what's nice about talking to you... Um, I think some people have some qualm with I, I my I, I was telling a coworker of mine that I was interviewing a life coach and they they just made some sort of passive mm-hmm. remark about how the the life coach one life coach approached them and she was like 27. Yeah. And he was sort of laughing like what how can right. a 27 year old, you know. And so I was like no I don't think I don't think uh you know, I don't think she's 27, I'm not sure, but <laughs> um but anyway, life experience can teach you about all of this. And you know, and I think that going through loneliness can teach you about it. And I'm sure that if you know, you personally know about this, surely you've gone through this yourself in some form or fashion. Right, right, right. There's not one person because of all the things I put myself through, let me own it, right? All the things that happen in my life, um, there's usually not one person that sits in front of me that goes into all the weird details of their life that I go, "Mm," and they're done that, right? So experience is a lot. When I did the intervention the other day for that one full day, um, with, with the lady, I had one of my coaches on my staff sit in, take notes. They get to have the notes, okay, at the end of the day. So she's literally word by word the whole day long, right? And what amazes these coaches, because they're learning from me as I'm doing what I'm doing, right? I've been doing it for a very long time. And there again, who's got the fruit on their tree? This coach has been coaching for a couple years. Now, I have to speak very frankly when, you know, to say, she doesn't have a lot of fruit on her tree yet. Not the experience that I have, because here's is what she said to me. How do you do it? Mm-hmm. And she sat with me many times through the years and done that work for me to learn from me. And she's like, man, and she was barreling it out. And you tracked her the whole day without yeah. skipping a beat. And I'm like, I've been doing it a really long time. I do retreats with 12 people over a weekend and we do that the whole three day long thing and we're processing very deep wounded stuff. And I'm like, you build a muscle, number one, capacity to be able to really listen and be there. But that was the blessing from my childhood. I grew up in a household where there wasn't anything but that caretaker of the family, mom trying to commit suicide all the time in a psych ward. I heard everything imaginable and grew up with, I ended up, dad checks out, can't handle mom. I end up handling the whole household. So 
I was forced to have a very big muscle to sit with pain. And that blessed me later in life and has blessed thousands of people. If you want to go hire a life coach, if you want to go hire somebody, say, give me proof of who you've helped. Mm. Do your diligence and say, what fruit do you have on your tree? Where are your re- where's your reference sheet? Let me call right. through the list. And you, now we have a call list in our community of people who are um, just volunteers that run these groups. And they're all people who have been through coaching with me. And you can pick up the phone anytime, day or night. Call me or call anybody off that list. My name is on that list. And just say, I need a call. I'm in despair. I need someone to talk to. It can be for any topic that you want to talk about in your life. Free of charge as long as we have time available to do that. So that eight hour day, nine hour day, I didn't have time to do that. But if somebody called me right after this call and I've got two hours before I start a woman's group in my home tonight, if somebody calls me, I'll take their call, right? So those are the people you just pick up that list and say, hey, what does this do for you? You need to have that kind of list from somebody that says, I can help you with this. Say, show me the fruit on your tree. Do you have this in your life? Do you have a successful relationship in your life? Do you have clients I could call and say, what did it do for you? It's the smartest thing you can do because there's 10 million life coaches out there that really are new. I was new once too. You know, (laughs) everybody starts somewhere. But here's what I was taught when I went into real estate school. When I was in real estate school, they said, remember, you're all nervous. You're getting out of school. You really don't know a lot. But you know more than the person who's never gone to real estate school. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You can always help exactly someone. So right. when I have new hosts and they say, I'm really nervous. And I'm, I say, remember though, you've been through coaching with me. You've healed your life. You've got some experience. And the, the person coming in, you know, more away more than they do. You can help them go out there and help them. That's beautiful. So let's just say you're giving me advice for my friend. Okay. So if I, if I notice that they're they're exhibiting signs of loneliness. They're being a little antisocial, kind of like withdrawn. Yeah, withdrawn. Um, even sort of lashing out in instances. Mm-hmm. Running attacks. And we want. Right. Yeah, and we want to approach them about it. How would somebody go about doing that? I mean, would you just would you address the problem initially, or would you sort of just kind of show them compassion, or just try to be nice? You know, how does somebody go about doing that well, if they wanted to help their friend? Well, um, there's a few things that you can do. You can you can you can go to them and only once say I'm. I'm, this is unsolicited. Ask permission first. I notice that. And if they say, whoa, 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 stop there, you're done. Mm. Okay. Because we know parents, friends, all good wishers, you know, we go, you should, or I, you know, you should stop doing this unsolicited. So always ask permission. Hey, I noticed that you seem more withdrawn than normal. Are you happy? Are you happy? Yeah. Are you needing more connection? Is there anything I can do for you? Could I sit and listen? You know, and, it, and if it goes beyond your capacity, then you recommend a group, then you recommend a book, you recommend something for them. But but the second that we begin doing that without permission, we're in somebody else's business. It's not mm-hmm. our business. Now, here's what we do. We have somebody's life, right? Now, the evolution of their life is here's like the God sized view of their life, which is this like big rainbow. And we're looking at one sliver of that rainbow. And now we're wanting to take away maybe them hitting their rock bottom. We're just looking at one little sliver of their life and we have no idea what the whole story of their life is going to look like. And I know I had really bad down periods of my life and I needed that to overcome, to become the yeah. person that I am. So sometimes it ain't our business. 
Right. If somebody's asking, you absolutely step in and say, I may not even have uh, the wisdom to give you, but I know somebody who does. Here's a free phone call. Give them my number. I'll spend time with them on the phone for nothing. <laughs> That's because you're an actual compassionate person. I mean, I, I support and love every single thing you do and everything you said. I think it's just it's just kind of insane how millennials just don't aren't hearing this. Uh, and I mean that not hearing it because they're not hearing it in their podcast, music, TV or they anything. Are, it's not it's not these that you think they are. Yes, they are. There's a whole bunch of mainstream stuff on Facebook. I see it all the time. All the memes, you know, they're getting nice. They're quotes. I mean, there's there's information that's getting out there. I, and another person mm-hmm. that you should interview is Michael Beckwith in Los Angeles. I don't know if you know who he is. Mm-hmm. Interview Michael Beckwith in Los Angeles, running Agape Center in Los Angeles. One of the most amazing men in the country right now. If, yeah. if you can get an interview with him, please do an interview with him. But if you if you live stream him on Sunday, he's a minister running probably one of the most active rocking churches in the world and he'll blow your mind. Right. So there's people out there. And when you go, I've been there just once, went to California just to go to church that one. And there's just massive amount of people coming in and the vibration is just amazing. One of the best Mm -hmm. ministers I've ever seen in the world. Very different, very different guy. But so there's a lot of information out there that's passing by everybody. But remember what's happening now. If I give a whole bunch of easy food at the grocery store to somebody, and they're not having to work for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have a lot of grit. Now, I read a book recently. Um, it's called Grit. And they're looking at all of the testing that they do for like to get into um, all the best schools in the world. Right. West Point. Um, Yale, whatever. So we have entrance exams and all kinds of stuff just to get into college, SAT tests, all that stuff. And the tests that are given are rating people's IQ. They're rating their possibility for success, right? That we want to get the top students in here, right? But they're right. they're looking at natural talent and they're looking at IQ in these tests. And the and the test results of people doing research on grit is that it has no indicator of someone's ever going to be successful or not. Because now they're coming up with grit tests. It's the, it's the ability to overcome. It's the ability to follow through. It's the ability to do something that most millennials are made fun of and don't know how to do, which is the difference between a male and the difference between a man of integrity. Does the, the male, a male does what feels good in the moment and a man of integrity does, does what's right, mm. matter what he's feeling. And that wasn't taught to that generation. Okay, so the difference there between, you know, just a girl or a woman of strength is, the you know, even just a strong woman and a woman of strength. There's a big difference there. And it is doing what feels good in the moment can be a very strong woman. Mm-hmm. But a woman of strength is going to do what's right for her and her family, for her husband, mm-hmm. for, you know, their loved ones, friends, business, whatever. And that ability to have grit which is, I feel awful. I'm sick today. Now, David and I, when I tell you, I was sick the last two weeks. Sick, mm-hmm. sicker than a dog. Before we went off to Vegas this last week and blah, blah, blah. Two weeks in a row straight. I still went out every day. Drug my <laughs> ass out of bed. Now, why am I doing that, right? What, you know, why am I, why am I doing that? I'm learning that if I want to get, get up to success and significance at a much greater level, I have to up my game and level up. I have to. But what is leveling up though? Like we we've said that a couple times now. Like what does leveling up mean? 
having that grit, having that fortitude to be able to follow through, backing up your words with action, not going, oh, I'm tired today, I'm going to turn Netflix on. That's not going to be significant in the world. If I really want to be able to give back at the level that I want, I can't do that. I can't afford. And if you want to build a business, if you want to build anything of quality for you and your family, you can't afford to the day I don't feel good and go Netflix instead tonight. Would you say that the overall goal, like the overall goal for all of this is to give back? Well, everybody needs to feel fulfilled and it's going to be different for every single person. Somebody giving back, just like I had a conversation with a guy in Home Depot the other day, he was 70 years old. And this man has given back his whole entire life. And I found out, you know, he's, he still climbs cliffs, you know, rock climber, and he takes scouts his whole entire life. He's taken them kayaking. He still is, he's retired. He's like, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to keep working a job just because I'm going to. But he goes, I still take the scouts out to kayaking and camping. And here's, it doesn't, is he being significant in the world at the level that he wants? He had foster children. He's done it his whole life. He told me, I listened for an hour about his life. There are people out there being so significant in the world. But the joy that he had, now we don't have to be Mm -hmm. significant, but what can be significant? It could be, you know, um, it could be entertaining people as a concert pianist. It could be, I invented electricity. It's different for everyone. But if, well, how do we find what's significant to us? Then? Well, you have to first get out of your pain because pain blocks creativity, inspiration, True. all of True. that. So if you're not getting out of pain, get going from, you know, from survival, fight or flight, unconscious drama, dramatic living, and you don't get yourself up to stability, right there is when you start to level yourself up by new kind of mentors that can help you teach you how to level yourself up. What is that going to look like? So, you know, what I'm really excited about now in my life is that my, my husband and I actually have these mentors who are answering those kind of questions for us. If we want, if we want a life that's now the umbrella is huge, we can't do it with the same mind that got us where we are today. So they're mentoring us how to level ourselves up, which are amazing people in our life right now. So yes, that's why we're doing some of the things that we're doing and reading the kind of books that we're reading. Is it ever okay to be okay with the level you're at? Yes. In fact, you have to be because if you're disgruntled about it, that's painful and that blocks your creativity and your because you need to plateau for a little bit. Once you've reached kind of a, a little bit of level, you want to you want to make sure that you've plateaued and because we're always about two bad decisions from going right back into instability. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you got to make sure that you've grounded yourself because remember it's like this: if you put a rubber band around your forefinger and your and your thumb, right, and you're stretching it, that's a good mm-hmm. little stretch. You want a little bit of stretch in your life. You're growing. Um, if you have no stretch at all, the rubber band falls off, you got nothing going on, you're not going to grow, but you don't want right. to stretch so far that you snap. So that's an interesting way to think about so it. So emotionally, we want to have just a little bit of stretch zone, a little bit of some goal that we've made every day. So for instance, him and I, my husband and I have very specific goals about what we want to do. That's why we decided to have mentorship in our life. Right? So one of the things that they taught us was the rule of five. And this came from John mm-hmm. Maxwell, you know, 
written 87 books on leadership, blah, 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 whatever, greatest leadership trainer in the world, right? So his rule of five is we've got five things that we do every day. One is going out and talking to people, right? But we have five things that we do every day. Think about it this way. If you have a tree that you want to chop down, you take out your ax and you chop five times at it every single day. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when it will fall down. But when you're not really good at a new skill, you're going out there and you're swatting at it and you're missing it and you're taking a little chunk out here or there. You look messy, right? That's me right there. But you're still doing your five. The rule of five, you're still going out there. And when I went out and started having conversations with people in January, I look like a bubbling idiot. (laughs) I would come home. But you did it. But you showed up. I'd go, oh my God, I can't believe what I just did. They looked at me like I was absolutely insane. And I blushed. Were you like, hey, I like that shirt there. (laughs) And they're like, okay. Yeah, right. So I didn't know how to connect very well, although I do it for a living. See, that's that's a really good point. I don't want to cut you off there. But like, how do people who are socially awkward, for instance, you know, go and talk to like the most terrifying thing for socially? I'm very socially awkward. Do what we're doing. yeah, do what we're doing. but I mean, like, how does somebody who's just listening to this, sitting in their house, like, okay, I want to talk to people. I am literally, I get panic attacks before I talk to right. a new person. Right. Practice. Is there a call, baby steps way? Practice, yes, practice what we call smile ups. Start okay. in your What's home that? and smile, just like you're doing in your home by yourself, yes. like a crazy person. For a while. Okay, and then okay. within a few days, you go out and every single person that you see out at the store, smile at them and say hi. Now use your hand and wave hi. How are you? That's it. Now what if you're like terrified and your smile comes off as like just kind of weird? Like does it really matter though? Guess what? No. You just earned respect for yourself because you followed through. You backed up your words with action and you get to go like this. I showed up. Self affirmation. Even if they cool. weren't showing up to the conversation, I did. John, right. how do we earn? How do we learn to be overcomers? How do we learn how to have that respect for ourselves and have the confidence that we're lacking is by just setting that, what's my daily five? What do I need to do today? I'm just going to follow through and read a book maybe about success, the magic of thinking big, the compound effect, the dream giver, amazing book. So I'm going to commit to that. I'm going to commit to five little things a day that will help me get out of what I'm in. Setting some intentional goals and realizing that if I live a life of casuality, if I live a life of I just like get together with my casual friends on the weekend and just hang out and go nowhere together, like let's just hang, what are we going to do? We're going to hang out, right? And do nothing. So how about if I live a life of intentionality versus casuality and say, I'm going to create some intentional relationships with people who can actually uplift me and pull me forward and have some intentional steps that I take every day and proud of myself that I did it for 30 days straight. Now I did it for 90 days straight. You know what? Now I can start to feel proud about myself and I'm learning some new skills and it could be just going to a support group once a week, whatever that goal is, whatever that challenge is is to set a life of intentionality and say, I am going to make a change because anything that you have labeled yourself with, like I'm socially awkward, bullshit. You want that label for the rest of your life? I don't think so, right? Well, I mean, like, I think that I've done well to overcome it. Like, you know, I'm not, I don't have a problem. Where am I socially awkward? I think I'm socially awkward on, for instance, if I have to give a speech, I'm, Pretty awkward. Yeah, but you're looking you at know. the number one fear of every human being on the face of the earth. That's the number one fear. Is public, public speaking, speaking yeah. right? Sure. Um, yeah. Fear of heights is second. Third is is um, fear of death. So you're going to walk out on stage, 
fall off and die. All of you know, fall yeah. off the stage and die. All three fears all yeah. get encompassed in one, right? Yeah. So it's okay. It's okay to have those fears, but it's not okay to let your fears control who your potential right. is going to be. Right. So if yeah. we're not willing to face our fears and feel discomfort, now here's the deal. When I grew up, my father told me that I was stupid. I'd never make anything of myself, right? So by the time I was 16 years old, I stuttered and I couldn't speak because I knew if I spoke, then everybody would know I'm stupid. So here's the deal. By 18 years old, I wow. couldn't speak. I stuttered so bad and then I talked so softly that my father then said, why don't you speak up? Can't hear you, right? So I'm a, now a speaker. Guess what my body did the first time I decided, decided Stuttered. that I was not going to let that hold me back. I go in the bathroom and I throw up every time before I go on stage. Now, that doesn't happen to me anymore, but that lasted a number of intentional years. Wow. So here's how I did it. If anybody asked, I would speak. Never mm -hmm. say no. And so I had this minister in St. Louis call me up who had been one of my clients called me up and he says, you're going to be a speaker someday. And I said, there's no way in hell that's ever going to happen. And he said, yeah. he goes, I want you to come to my church in St. Louis and I want you to speak. I have the video of it. It was fun. Yeah. Right. It's, I yeah. still have it somewhere. And <laughs> I literally, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't because my brain, the way that I was, I grew up, my brain couldn't take a thought and put it on paper. So I couldn't write a speech. I, I was so nervous. I got there two days. I got there Friday because we're doing some other activities at the church. And then I'm going to be the speaker on Sunday morning. For two days, I sat in my room at his house and I was shaking and I didn't know what to, I just like, I don't, I have no idea what I'm going to say when I get out there. And then he happened to say, right when I got out there, he said, oh yeah, don't forget to, uh, to mention those getting and protecting behaviors. You heard me talk everything about what I know. I, I use it every day and then all of a sudden it clicked in and I just came out. Everything, so everything fine. that I know about, but leading up to it, I was sicker than a dog, like anxiety, shaking, throwing up. But, I, mm -hmm. but this is what I did. I made a promise to myself, backed up my words with action and said, if anybody asked me to come. So now all of a sudden I'm getting asked to go all these different places. And I started to go to Hawaii every two, every six months. And so now we have a community over in Kona and come to the New Thought Center, come speak, come do this class. And I'm like, oh, my God, people are asking. And I made a promise to myself. Mm -hmm. So I still go if anybody asks. I'll go. So it's almost like the lesson or not almost, but the lesson is you're basically practicing discomfort. Yes. You're practicing discomfort in order to handle even bigger discomfort when the time comes. Absolutely. But the exchange there is a giant reward, a self-fulfilling self reward. Yes, because in, in what essence. happens in our brain is our brain learns that fear is paper thin. It's just a, a really paper thin wall that's there. And there's nothing happened. The very first time that I spoke was at my spiritual center, New Vision Center. And I'm there and I get up on stage and it was so awful. I didn't remember anything about what I was supposed to say. And somebody walked up to me after. And this is when I got it. A couple, mm. a couple walked up and they said, that information has changed our lives. That was so that it, we, we've been we've been waiting for this information our whole life. And I go, huh. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? 
Even when information is delivered in a very retarded way, information <laughs> is good information. It doesn't matter. Be yourself. And from then on, I said, I'm just going to go out there and be myself because I thought maybe I should go to Toastmasters. Maybe I should do all that work. And you know what? Being me is the most important thing I can be on the face of the earth. I didn't ever polish up the skills. I didn't polish up, you know, growing up in a family that spoke like a sailor. I remember one time going to a Hispanic church with a translator and doing a talk on unconditional love. And I was so nervous. All the papers, because I didn't, I wasn't smart enough to put it in a binder. They All the papers fell apart, fell on the floor. I started cussing like a sailor because those are the two things that I do if I get nervous. You're cussing on a ch- on church oh, stage. Oh, and it's being translated by translators. Oh, perfect. And the minister perfect. said, let's take a break for a minute. Called me over and said, would you mind toning it down a little bit? And I yeah. just went completely red. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. But those those moments are the things that teach us the best, you know? You know, it's those things that are so like gratifying, especially when you get through it, because you're never going to have that situation again. Like when you get on stage, nothing's ever going to compare the time you swore on a Spanish stage and they're translating your swear words out to the congregation. Like, how amazing is that? But that's so important. Like you're saying, it's so important to put yourself out there to begin with, to go experience that life and to know that you can handle it and you will learn something eventually, just like you have your whole life. But what if you were told your whole life that and you believed it and you and you had no hope? You, yeah. you know, you never even heard of the thing like be significant in the world. You've never heard that language. You grew up in gangs. You grew up around something completely different. And it's right. like, you know, you know, how do you make that hyper jump? The information is out there, but who we associate with is all important. Whoever we're rubbing up against, we're never going to mm-hmm. level our life up unless we pick and we go out there and we try to find the best of the best. That's right. It doesn't matter if it's a financial advisor. It doesn't matter what area of your life. If you're not trying to seek out the best of the best, knowing that your mind is not going to take you any further than where you're at right now, that you've got to go out there and find help. Hmm. Miss Sharon, is it Sharon? Yeah. I always, want, I always want to call you Shannon because you have Winnington in there. I also always want to say Shannon because there's that double N right I'm next to your name. I'm Sharon Clark now. Are you Oh yeah, you're Sharon Clark. I got married. When did y'all get married? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. Are you guys just in that honeymoon phase of all this lovey-dovey? We lived together for years. We remember we went through the power stage. We never had a romantic stage and all that, right? So this was, never had a romantic stage. No, came right out of the shoot with we're gonna we're gonna learn how because think of it this way: if we were both <laughs> sitting there single, we both yeah. had never learned how to love another human being. Yeah. And our cover, our second conversation, I kind of told you about our first conversation. How he he said, you know, the things he said to me. I don't carry anybody else's baggage. I'm like, cool. I like this guy. The second conversation that we had was basically since neither one of us have ever succeeded at learning to love another human being and having a real rich, intimate relationship. Do you want to try and do this together? No promise Mm -hmm. for tomorrow. No promise of a future. Just and he was so um, just enamored with what we were doing and being significant in the world. He's like, I want to be a part of that. Now I had dated tons of guys who said, I don't even understand why you do what you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why do you do that? And so here was a guy (laughs) stepping up and saying, I'll partner with you. And from then on, he did every intervention, every retreat, everything with me, all the clients, you know, all that stuff that we've done over the years, traveling, speaking. So I found a really cool partner. You found the right one, it sounds like. Yeah, I did. 
So if people are like 30, like me, and they're single, they shouldn't fret because somebody, some the right guy or girl can be just around the corner or maybe some years down. I'm 58 and just got married. Yeah, but you've been with that guy a while, huh? Yeah, well, six years. Six years? Yeah. Wow. Is it your first marriage, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. The, the conviction at which you said that oh, just no, made no, me no. laugh so hard. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a big-time loser. <laughs> You're I've not lost, a loser. I've lost many, many times. I have, too. I have, too. I think we all have, <laughs> truthfully. Yeah, and that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Miss Shan, oh, Miss Sharon, yes. Miss Sharon Clark. Where can people find you? Oh, Sharon and David Clark.com is our our professional website about our coaching. So Sharon and David Clark.com, mm. Sharon and David Clark.com. Isn't that cute? Um, it, used yeah, to be, cute. it used to be Sharon Winningham.com, and I just changed it. So it's Sharon and David Clark.com. So no ampersand Sharon and David Clark.com. Okay, right, spelled out. And then loving-groups.org is our national website. Right. And it's a lot of cities, right? It's in like a bunch of cities. It's in a bunch of cities. Each city, though, has its own meetup calendar of events. So each of those cities, they know that they can look on there and see what's happening locally, potlucks, get-togethers, hiking, you know, and the support groups and the conference calls and all that stuff. So you're in Dallas, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a group Mm -hmm. in Dallas. Like, like you said, you went to it. So there's a meetup site that's local for Dallas. It's like meetup.com-lovinggroups-dallas or something like that. You can find it. Um, cool. And then, um, you know, heck, here's my telephone number. If you need support, you need help, you need advice to how to get help or any area of your life, 602-405-0144. My number's out there for a reason. We have, And if you want resources and you want to just email me and say, send me all your free resources – so I can start to connect into all those free resources, the Zoom events, the Zoom book studies, the Zoom support groups, the national conference calls. I'll just email you all those documents. My email address is results.roses at cox.net. Results.roses at cox.net. Pretty simple. All you have to do is email me. I answer emails from all over the world every single morning. I answer everyone. If they have a question about a relationship, they can just email me and say, this is what's going on. And I'll tell you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a perspective about what I'm seeing. So feel free to contact me any way that you want. All that stuff. All that stuff's free. Ms. Clark, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. You are an awesome person, and I hope so many people call you because you are really amazing. I can't, you were way, way, my my expectations were high, but you like quadrupled them. So I think this has been such an amazing episode, and I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thank you. Make sure and let me know how I can hear this later and promote you and all that fun stuff.